The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 54 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. And I am the host of the show. So glad you're here with us. We've got a fantastic show. Before we jump into this week's show, though, this is the last week we are going to mention uh, the incredible deal that we have from our past guest, Darren Smith. And uh, Darren has a book that he has written. It's called uh, Daily Mormon. And if you go to dailymormonbook.com, you can check out this book. It's a daily study guide. And I love it. If you don't want to buy the book, by the way, you can sign up for his uh, daily email, which I get. And it's just awesome. It gives you a a quick thought each day to kind of kick off your day and enhance your study. I absolutely love it. Darren's an amazing guy. You can go back to his episode to hear more about his book. But if you go to dailymormonbook.com, when you check out, be sure to enter Latter-day Lives and that will get you 20% off. So go check it out and support our good friend, Darren. Uh, This week in the conversation, Cindy Threadgold is uh, such an incredible woman. I am so impressed with Cindy. And uh, a few years ago, she just got the worst news you can imagine, that her son had passed away while serving his mission. And uh, I just can't, I can't even imagine it. But Cindy has taken this tragedy and is doing such incredible work because of it. She actually documents uh, all the missionaries who have lost their lives while serving and has created a virtual cemetery and now has teamed up with an artist, and they're doing so much to honor those who pass away while serving. Just incredible. That's all coming up for you. A couple of notes on this this week's conversation. Um, Cindy and I ended up talking for over an hour, and so I edited it down just a little bit for content, um, we had such a wonderful conversation. A few times throughout it, Cindy will mention, see, there's the accident, or there's my, you know, brain injury or something like that. Cindy was in a car accident a few years ago. I didn't notice anything at all. Cindy is so bright and so just amazing with the details of her story. But three or four times, if you hear her mention, oh, see, that that's from the car accident. Uh, she was telling me that sometimes her Her brain gets a little bit jumbled since the accident, but again, you're going to find her so just bright and charming and engaging and such an amazing woman. Um, I also had to edit a couple of parts because, you know, it's not video, it's, it's audio, but you might be able to hear it. I cried through about half of this interview, and there was actually one point where I was crying so much I couldn't even get a sentence out. So I tried to put it together to tell the best, most coherent story possible, and uh, Cindy's just a beautiful, amazing, wonderful woman, and I'm so grateful that we had a, an opportunity to talk. And then this week in my Latter-day life, I'm going to share a little bit of a, a lighter subject and how uh, I used comedy in the last week to share the gospel. So that's all coming up for you today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And it is an honor to have as my guest on the show today, Cindy Threadgold. Cindy 
has just an amazing experience to talk about and some of the great things she's doing. Sydney, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to have you on. You reached out to me, and when I read kind of your experience as well as kind of what you're doing, I was just blown away. But before we get into kind of the main subject we're here to talk about, we want to get to know you a little bit. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Cindy Threadgold. Well, I'm old. <laughs> you are not old. I'm I'm 60 years old. I'm are you old. 60? I you, am. All right, A, 60 is not old. Yes. The older I get, the less 60 is old. But B, you don't look 60. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, so like where, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your family. I am from Mansfield, Ohio. Oh, well, where's Mansfield? It is halfway between Cleveland and Columbus. Nice. So did you grow up in the church? Kind of. My mom joined the church when I was, I don't know, six or so. Yeah. Um, but my dad wouldn't let me be baptized till I was nine, so I'm kind of a convert. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, nine counts as a convert baptism. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it did for the missionaries. Was your dad in the home? Was he opposed to the church? Um, at the time a... that they learned about it, yeah. yes, he was in the home. They later divorced, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> because not only did my son pass away on a mission, but my grandparents, or my grandfather did as well. What? And Yes. Yes. So your grandfather passed away while he was serving on a mission? In South America. Where was he? Do you know what country he was in? He was in lots of places because they sent him there in 1964-ish to build and repair chapels to get ready for the growth that you probably saw when you were down there. I got to enjoy in Chile. Arica, Chile. Um, now I'm going to forget because that no, car okay. accident we talked about. You're all a, good. A whole bunch of different places. He was in Curitiba, Bra- Bra- Brazil, Arica, Chile. He died in Peru on the tarmac of the plane trying to get home for medical treatment. What? So do they know what he had? Um, they He had yellow jaundice, the yellowing of the eyes. This was yeah. before you had to get your shots to leave the country. Yeah, and so, before medical was as pervasive in South America. But he America. began to be ill, and they said, oh, there's nothing here we can do for you. You need to get home. And he, and on the plane on the way home, he passed away. On the tarmac so, before it took off. Are you an only child? you have siblings? I am the oldest of three. Oh, cool. So okay. there's a brother in the middle and another sister younger than me. All right. All went to church and went to early morning seminary and the whole followed the bus Back to our house awesome. so that we could get off and run and get on the school bus to go to school. <laughs> what yeah. a great life. It was. Except for in winter in those parts. Oh, my. Yeah, winter's mighty cold there. Utah has nothing on Ohio. The winter of 76, I believe, where the semi-trucks were buried in snow. Yeah. Google it. It's Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. So you graduate from high school out there. One of 480 and the only Mormon. The only Mormon. You were it. The only Mormon. So when people said the Mormon, it was like, oh, you mean Cindy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I was kind of known for the non-smoking, non-drinking. Sure. After high school, I worked at a drugstore and thought I might want to go and be a pharmacist when I realized how long that would take. I went, no, I can't do that. So I just hung out for, you know, waiting for the right guy to come along and it didn't happen. And Finally, um, I was doing splits with the sister missionaries. And I said, well, how much does it cost to go on a mission? This was pre-whatever they call that, where they equalize Right, them. yeah, where it's kind of amortized And out. she said it would be like $350 a month. 
because that that's was, what it cost in your area. Yeah, in so, Ohio. So a little bit of a little bit of uh, background on this for our listeners. It used to be that every mission cost something different. Yes. And now there's a flat fee right. that every missionary pays the same amount. It goes into a pool. So you ask about a mission. And she said it's about 350 a month. And of course, I multiplied it out. And it exactly totaled what I was told I was going to get for that car accident we spoke about earlier. So you were in a car accident when I you were was younger. with my grandmother, yeah. the one that was the wife of okay. the missionary that right. died. And we both spent about a week in hospital. And, mm. and I think it was another year, year and a half, and the settlement came in. Um, but at about that same time, the lawyer said, well, this is what it'll be. And it almost exactly equaled wow. what I what you were told quickly the calculated was cost, on yeah. the paper. And the spirit just went, mm, go. And I went, oh, no, no, no. I'm getting married. I am not going on a mission. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you sure. were around in the 80s, girls didn't go. Yeah. You know. It was much less common. So I went to San Jose, California. I loved it. You were a baby then, though, when I was there. You probably... Right. I was, <laughs> I was around 10 then, so... There you go. So, uh, so you come home from your mission, and did you go home to Ohio? I did. Okay. I went home and proceeded to go to all the dances we could, even went to a all-Ohio, all-Michigan, which... People are like, oh, my goodness. No, that's the equivalent of a small steak dance here. <laughs> yeah, and all Ohio sounds like... All Ohio, all Michigan. Combine all the two. of Ohio and Michigan together. That's a long drive. Well, I don't remember where the dance like, was. Even if they put it centrally, you're still three or four hour drive yeah, at least. from some oh, parts. Everywhere was a drive. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. The steak center was 60 miles away. And so when I walked back in my ward building... I would say uh, nine, ten months after I'd been home, there was a young man there. And I asked my mom, who's that? Oh, well, that's Elder Threadgold. He used to serve here in Ohio, mm. in the in the ward. And he's coming back to go to school now. And I went, mm, cute. And the Lord sent him. <laughs> well, the Lord knows I have an attitude. And yeah. he's not <laughs> going to convince me to go to Utah, Utah or Idaho to get married, sure. to find a spouse. So. Come from Utah and come meet me and all is well. Yeah, and he's there. He is. And then, so you got married. In the Washington, D.C. temple. mm. And so we had Connor, no, we had Brian, the oldest, about a year after we were married. And within four weeks, we moved to Arizona. And then I had Shane two years after Brian in Arizona. Yeah. And then I had two years later, Brandon. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's three boys, all two years apart. Use years apart, and then this story of Connor is like six years, and he was a planned child. So we're going to focus a little bit more on Connor today, okay? Um, than than the other boys, though. I can see the the glimmer in your eyes when you yeah. talk about each of them. Oh, they're precious. Yeah. How did the other boys treat Connor when he was growing up? What an awesome question! They treated him like a toy. What? <laughs> yep. Well, we asked Play them, thing. would you like to have a little brother? And of course, all of them, no, or uh, another little sibling. Another kid wasn't, in the house. Yeah, because we were thinking, oh, this time we'll have a girl for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you've had three boys. Yeah, well, that didn't happen. Anyway, um, but he was born, what, two weeks early and wouldn't breathe. So he spent 10 days in intensive care. And because of that, I think that solidified the bond between the older three who would come to the NICU 
and look at this tiny little baby mm. and worried that he would die. Oh, my. Oh, his oldest would come home and say, where's my baby? Throw his backpack down. And, yeah, he was literally a toy. At one point, the oldest had gone to uh, a dance, Springville High, and mm. let him tag along. What? How mm-hmm. old was he? Well, he was a senior in high school. How old was uh, Connor? Was Connor is 10 years less than... So maybe eight, and <laughs> he went yeah. to a high school dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they just adored him. Tell us about Connor growing up. Once he got out from under the shadow of his brothers, what was Connor like as a, a young man? Just sweet. He, even after we moved up here, he was in kindergarten. He was, oh my, um, he's not here anymore, so yeah. we can talk about him. He uh, sure. was cuddled to sleep every night till he mm. was in kindergarten. Wow. I would hold him, and then his oldest brother would take him down the stairs. Um, and it makes it sound like he was really babied, but he was just like the older three men in a little body Yeah, and tough and, um, competitive. Those four boys, oh my word, (laughs) together. Yeah. So other than that, just, he was just a precious little kid. He was always doing good things. Um, one of the things he... Um, that I, stands out in my mind because he he never put himself in front of people. He hated recognition. Didn't even want an mm. eagle court. And really? He fought it. Anyway, um, he, he came to me one day and said, Mom, I don't think I can go on a mission. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I don't have any money left. And I went, what? Because I knew what he'd ha- done for a job, yeah. and I knew he had some good stuff saved. Yeah. And um, he had, he'd buy and sell computers and refurbish them and turn around and sell them. Mm. He would buy RC cars, that RV or yeah, the remote, remote control, control cars. The, yeah. Not the Walmart kinds. No, the good ones. The good ones. And resell them. So he was earning money besides work. Yeah. Uh, and I said, what do you mean you have no money? At that point... One of the boys was unemployed. His wife was pregnant. And so out of the goodness of this little boy's heart, when I say little boy, 17, sure. getting on 18. But you're a little he, boy. Yeah. He um, would buy things from his brother to help the unemployment situation. He bought his sister-in-law a phone and paid her phone bill. Wow. And after months of that, he was all out of cash. Mm. And I said, well, Connor... I didn't know you were doing this. Okay, stop helping Shane. He's got a job now. Yeah. And I said, you just get enough money to get out the door. We'll do the rest. My heart was broken. Of course. And yet so proud that he would yeah. do that without telling me what he was doing. He was For just such a de- wonderful reason, depleting too. Depleting his bank account oh, to help his, his brother. He was. He was. A lot of people refer to him as, we called him Angel Baby for a long time, and he literally was. Yeah. Kind of, he even his brother said we never argued. Wow. Um, Greg, my husband, said the same thing that we just he would back away from confrontation. Just yeah. it's okay. So he goes on a mission. He gets called to the Taiwan Taipei mission. Taiwan Taipei. Which, when he opened his mission call, I was like, "What? Everybody in the family served in the United States. You're going to do what?" Yeah. And then it kicked in that he had taken Chinese in high school for two years. And I went, okay. And he just was so excited. 
um, contained. You'd have to see Connor excited. Yeah. He was, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, subdued excitement. Yeah. Excited said, his way. Well, I guess I should have paid more attention in class. <laughs> classic, yeah. classic yeah. answer from an 18, 19 year old. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. So he goes, he ends up going <clears throat> to Taiwan. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what was his, the first few letters from Taiwan? How was he? Well, you know how that is. You yeah. send a letter, well, this now email age. So he'd send the email and say things, and then we'd ask him questions, and it would take a while. Yeah. So um, his emails were kind of short, but long enough that yeah. we got enough of the information, but we'd only get half a story because, you know. Yeah. He sent a picture of a dog and called him Rebel Dog. I'm like, why is this dog in 7-Eleven? <laughs> well, Mom, there's a reason we called him Rebel Dog. Dogs aren't, because I thought they let dogs in the, the grocery store over there. That's awesome. Oh, that's why we called him Rebel Dog, Mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. His other story so he's was. having kind of classic mission experiences. Yeah. And he's like, these Taiwanese people are astonished that I can ride a wheelie on a bike. So he's out in the mission field for a little while. And then I think, <clears throat> you know, no surprise, we've alluded to it a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. Tell us about uh, how you found out that Connor passed away. Well, we discussed this off air. Your cousin, who is our stake president. Yeah, my, my second cousin is Cindy's stake president. Yes. Um, president Rapier and our bishop came to our door at 1145 at night. Um mm. And this is the interesting part of the story is that we have a dog or had a dog at the time. His name was Sam, a golden retriever who for a year and a half we had medicated because of seizures. And he was kind of under control. And for the whole time Connor was gone, no seizures. Really? But that night, our day was not right that day. Mm. And we didn't know why. Um, Greg and I had a fight, which is quite rare. Okay. Um. An argument that lasted only a short time, but lasted longer because he had taken a nap and I went to the park with the grandkids. And it was just not a right day. And about 1030, Sam, our golden retriever, had a seizure. Like, oh my goodness. So usually we're in bed by nine, asleep by 10. That's our lifestyle. Sure. Um, So to be awakened, not really awakened, but still awake when Sam had a seizure, um, was like, oh, so we got it cleaned up and took care of him. And, um, of course, by 1145, we were almost ready to, you know, get ready to go to sleep again. And we heard a knock on the door and we've had a drunk neighbor before mistake our house for sure. a neighbor. And so we kind of, I said, Greg, you go get it. Well, he started getting some clothes on. Then, we heard another knock and the phone rang or the doorbell went off. So knock on the door, doorbell. We're like, somebody's insistent. And I thought by that point, I thought I better get dressed. So I did. <clears throat> and then the third time was the knock, the phone rang and the doorbell. And I'm going, yeah, okay, something's, what is going on? Something's going on. And we both arrived at the front door about the same time. And my husband got a glimpse of them, President Rapier and... Bishop Boyer before I did. He's like, this is not good. Um, so we invited them in. <clears throat> and the f- and I think the church teaches um, a stake president and the bishop what to say when they come to your home, because I don't want to say it sounded rehearsed. It wasn't at all. 
But there were some specific words they used, which led me to believe it's not like, well, let's sit down and have a chat and tell you your kid's deceased. Yeah. Um, first, they started off by telling us Elder Shang was deceased. And let me back up a second. It was my son and another missionary who died together by carbon monoxide in their apartment. Okay. So they told us that. And my mind went to a different place than my husband's mind. Um, he was thinking Connor was injured. Um, you know, what's wrong with Connor? Well, he's telling us about Elder Shang. My mind's thinking, um, oh, he's so sad. He's going to have to come home. He lost his companion. Yeah. So you're thinking just Elder Shang has had something yes. totally independent yeah. of yeah. Connor. Right. And so well, what about Connor? And he said, he's deceased also. And I can't speak to what Greg really was thinking, but my mind went straight to Connor's patriarchal blessing, which basically said, um, you will have child by natural means. Mm. And I back up and tell you about the state or the, the patriarch who sat with us for almost an hour explaining how he would say things. And if he said this, this is probably what it would mean. And he says, if I say you're going to have children, that could mean by adoption or by default mm. or by natural means. But if I say by natural means, that's what I mean. Wow. So in my mind, I'm thinking, no, he's not dead. You know, the denial hits there. Yeah. He's going to have children by natural means. Yeah. How could he be dead? You know, and of course, that later kicks into the, well, it's as natural on the other side of the veil as of it is Of course. Here. Did you go through that time of denial like, this This is just a mistake? Like, this can't be right? Or did you get that confirmation that, no, he's gone? And I don't know about confirmation, um, but the very next day we went to church. So this was Saturday. No, it was a, a Saturday. So... And you went to church the next day. I take that back. See, there's my brain damage. You're coming. fine. You're <laughs> fine. Cindy, you're um, doing great. So that was Friday night. Saturday, we greeted everybody in the front yard gotcha. and then went to church. But I remember telling, and there were things that would come out of our mouths that were not Cindy or Greg. Yeah, I believe Two that. of them quite... Vividly, one of them, I told the, I was in Young Women's at the time, and I told the Young Women's group, because they were going to meet with the youth to help comfort them. Sure, of course. And I said, we're going to go home now because sacrament is enough. And yeah. oh my gosh, so, yes. um I just said, tell the young men and women that we're content. It was the only word that came out of my mouth was, hmm. we're content. It'll be okay. We're content. Wow. Um, that um, isn't a perfect description, you know. No, um, but it sounds like probably what the young women needed to hear just, it, to be okay. Well, we were afraid. Our first fear when we heard this is there was eight other missionaries out at the time, yeah. several of whom, one of whom was Connor's very, very, very best friend. Yeah. And the rest of them... Not only were they friends, but they went and served sacrament to a lady in our ward together, the whole group of eight of mm. them. And so it was his whole se- yeah. teacher's quorum, priest quorum, mm-hmm. they'd all grown up together. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of those boys, they're boys. They're not men. I'm sorry. They're, of course. They're sweet little boys. Um, 
Some of them were in very scary parts of the world. We never worried about Connor in Taiwan because it's a safe mission. Taipei is a very modern city. Well, I had a friend that served there when I was mission age. Yeah. And And so that mission's been around for 50-some years. I've been to Taipei many times, Mm -hmm. and I've walked around Taipei. I mean, I have walked most of that city. And we would often go out at night. There are night markets everywhere. Where sure. You go and eat dinner at 10 o'clock yeah. in a street market. It is one of the safest places in yeah. the world. So you We don't never think worried about, about him except for the tsunami, which going back to one of his emails, I have to stick this in. He goes, this is where it takes weeks to go back and forth. And he'd send an email saying, there's a tsunami coming and I'm so excited. And mom or dad like, what oh my freak gosh. did you just <laughs> say? So we had to wait to... Ask the question in the next email and then wait for his Are answer. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was what they called flooding an area with missionary work. They called that a tsunami. Oh, no. Exactly. You don't tell your mom a tsunami's coming. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. There's a tsunami coming and I'm so excited. Oh, no. Really? Seriously? This is what you're going to tell your mom mm. on the other side of the world when we're watching weather reports all the time to make sure you're safe? Yeah. That's the only thing we worried about. And even then, we really didn't even quote, worry. Yeah. No. So, so did you get more details over the course of the weekend? No. Have you gotten more details since? Yes. It was just, it was, well, a, it it was a carbon monoxide wives. poisoning yeah. in the apartment. There was a leak that they were unaware of. It was a leak in the water heater, which um, Elder Shang was found in the bathroom and Connor was found in the main part of the room. Um, so it was so fast that neither one of them could warn one another and get out. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, it was, from what I understand, we didn't know right away. We, they said they thought it might be that because they were secure. There was no foul, no foul play. So, I mean, they were that's locked the, in the apartment. The, the police thing. had to get them in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the obvious answer. So. Yes. So then what was their correspondence from the church during that time? Or how did you make arrangements? Obviously, you needed to bring Connor home. Mm-hmm. And so did you make those arrangements? No. Or does the, does the, the church, church put really that together? The church is really good to take over. I'm sure it's because they realize that grieving happens and you're not in your right mind. Sure. Um, so we went that Monday to go make funeral arrangements and cause the bishop showed up at our door. We got to go right now, right now. Let's go. And okay. That means he's coming home tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, didn't happen. Um, but the funeral was taken care of. Um, and it took three weeks for his body to come home. Three weeks. Three weeks. Do you know why the delay? Probably due to the fact of the um, autopsy, making sure that there wasn't foul play. Right, okay, yeah. Um, so it's not like, well, your kid was hit by a bicycle or um, killed. Yeah, they got to make was, sure before he leaves the country yes. that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with him coming from a foreign country. Well, and Elder Shang's sister... Cousin, slash cousin, she's really a cousin, but they adopted him. Okay. Um, was here in, in the Provo area, and she came and talked to us. And I said, well, because he's from the south part of Taiwan, um, are they going to treat him better than Connor? Are they going to, like, 
just not care about Connor. Oh no, she said they'll treat him better because he's yeah, I would um, believe a that. foreign national. Right. Yeah. So during that three weeks, w- once Connor came back to you, did that create some sense of peace? I've never heard of, I mean, I've, I don't know anyone who's gone through what you went through to have a three week gap, to have a three weeks to plan. What yeah. was there? Was there a sense of closure or any kind of peace that came? It gave us a lot of time to just slowly moved into planning the funeral. It wasn't like rush, 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 rush. Which um, it normally is. Yeah. It is. Um, even if you know somebody's like getting old and they're getting ready to, it gave us time to just go, oh yeah, well let's do that. Oh yeah. Though that was not comfortable. Um, of course. This was in, um, August of 2014 when he passed away. And by the time, um, Easter rolled around the next Sunday, which is my favorite holiday, I read the scriptures with a different take on Christ's crucifixion of course, and his resurrection. And I totally understand Mary at the tomb going, where's his body? Yeah. Where have you laid him? Um, yeah. I think that's a perspective yeah. not too many people can have. Nor would I want anyone to. No. Nor would I. No, not at all. Did... I know when I've gone through loss, there have been uh, roller coasters in faith. And for me personally, it's never been a, I've never hit the, the why or start questioning maybe the gospel isn't there. What, how did Connor's faith, or how did, sorry, how did Connor's death affect your faith? Um. No loss of faith. Um, I've still not found a place for anger. Mm, That's amazing. Though others in my family have. Sure. Um, I believe that. And that's okay because everybody Mm. grieves differently. I remember telling my husband, knowing what other people had gone through, not just with a, but a child dying, not a missionary, um, that it can tear apart families and marriages. And I'm like, this is not going to happen. Mm, good for it you. It is not. And at one point, there was another argument, which, again, out of nowhere. And um, I'm just saying, this is Satan. He, are you familiar with the fact, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where Satan will tell you lots of truths and yeah. then tell you the lie. Yeah. And that's what, the, there were three times that happened. Mm. And because of you'll talk, you'll need to talk to Blake about his personal revelation with Connor. Yeah. Blake is my cousin, who is the stake president. Um, so at the funeral, what what kind of support did you receive from your ward, your stake, your neighbors? Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, as m- probably as expected. Um, the thing I noticed where people were serving us based on their talents. Mm. It was an interesting... Um, what an interesting observation. It it was, because yeah. I always had this, well, I can't bake. Don't Okay, you brought, us, cookies. you brought but us the, cookies tonight. <laughs> but the cookies... Now, there's a few things. As long as it has hamburger, I can do some awesome stuff. <laughs> but my husband is a gourmet chef. Oh, so, awesome. 
Um, don't expect ever gourmet from me because yeah. I'm not the Molly Mormon, which is probably half the reason I brought you the cookies. Like, see? <laughs> I love it. I love so, it. I can't wait to have a cookie um, tonight. What was the original question? I'm sorry. The question just was about the support you saw from. So we had this lady that vivid came walking up the side yard and she had this big like Nordstrom's, you know, like she'd been shopping at Nordstrom's yeah. probably really, really wide, tall and deep. And I opened it, and all I could see was white stuff in there, like white paper products, like paper plates, spoons and forks, toilet paper, Kleenex. And I'm going, what the heck is this, you know? And I took it in the house, and I began over the next several weeks and even months when the paper plates still, um, they were from Costco. I must must have been 150 of them (laughs) in there. I don't know. How great. And... I thought she was thinking outside the box to serve us. She wasn't just, let me bring you some cookies. Let me bring you dinner. Yeah. Another guy carved a bowl and put Connor's, a little thing about Connor on the outside. Wow. Just stuff that... Um, so thoughtful. Like, so Thoughtful and personal. based on their talent. Yeah. We had kids that would come mow the grass. Um, just stuff that I, yeah. I learned. I learned... That there's more than mm. 10 ways to serve somebody. Yeah. In the grieving thing. Yeah. So. And where, where is Connor put to rest? He's in the Springville City Cemetery. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you have now taken this. Uh, first of all, I just have to tell you, I mean, I have cried through almost this entire interview, which we're not talking about specifically sad things. I'm just so overwhelmed by it. Um, but you've taken this tragedy and this difficult thing and now have created somewhat of your own mission with it. Tell us a little bit about that and how that all came about. Well, I can preface first by I've loved doing genealogy for years and other people, I, you know, what do they do when their child dies or they have tragedy and they create a foundation or they do a scholarship or they do whatever. And I'm going, I got nothing. Mm. (laughs) I don't have any talents. And I went, okay. So one day Greg was um, working on some stuff. He goes, Cindy, come here. I want to show you something. And he showed me a virtual cemetery and it was about missionaries who passed away while serving. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. A virtual cemetery. So it's online. On findagrave.com. On findagrave. Okay. So it's called a virtual cemetery. So, so they create kind of groups mm-hmm. on Find a Grave. Like you can okay, create cool. all your family members gotcha. or all your surname or one has Titanic survivors in it, other tragedies that they just group all the this deceased people in a virtual cemetery. How neat. That's and cool. So I thought, well, that's cool. And then I went searching. And the sad part is that I found some databases who... Um, um, were documenting missionaries, and mm. Connor included, who died. And then the sidebar was all anti-Mormon stuff. And my heart just like, this not cool. So these were people <clears throat> who were opposed to the church who were using this as a... I don't know. The one guy was being positive about missionaries, but negative about the church. So wow. It's like, I don't understand this. I don't, I, I don't know what to do with that. And and one of them finally, at one point where I started to read, he said, well, why doesn't the church do something? Why doesn't someone do something? And I, hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, why doesn't? That's a wrong thing to say out loud when the Spirit's listening to you. <laughs> why isn't someone? Because like, you might be that someone. <laughs> well, I was told, Love you it. do it. You do it. Love it. So out of that created this database of missionaries. Tell us about the database, because I am so <clears throat> fascinated by it. It is missionaries who passed away while serving on a mission um, from 1830 to present, and there are over 940 presently listed in there. I keep thinking we'll, we'll be done. Um, the last time I said that and thought that, um, another 200 showed up. 940 because, in your database Yes, who have died while serving a mission. Yes. And I want to qualify that by saying if they've had their mission call and pass away, they belong in that database. Sure. Or if they've been home only a month or so, yes, that's still gotcha. part of the mantle kind of thing that hasn't fallen off. Then there's a separate database um, for injured missionaries as well in there. So if people want to find this this database... How do they find it? Um, you could look up noble and great ones yeah. or on Google or um, Mom on a Mission 2017. Yeah, if you search for Mom on a Mission 2017, um, it's a WordPress site, but it'll just right. search for Mom on a Mission 2017. There is a beautiful header picture um, of a bunch of Wonderful missionaries, old and young. I love that. That was done by Melvin Lands, an artist down in Bolivia. Wow. Oh, I hope a, it's Bolivia. It's a, just a beautiful, beautiful picture. Yeah. And tell us about uh, noble and great ones. Other than, you know, you, you hear that in the scriptures a lot. And I just, as I studied these young men and young women, and the older couples as well, my grandfather included, yeah. There were some very, very similar things in each of their lives that led me, not just Connor, I wasn't trying to brag about Connor, but <laughs> I, I, as I read these stories and newspaper articles, I thought, oh my gosh, Connor's just, he did that. Yeah. Or there's something about each one of them that they were called home. I yeah. don't know why. Yes, there are reasons we kind of know some, but we're just never going to know the real yeah. until after this life is over. And that's okay. Have you had interaction with some of the families? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Any great experiences there? Any negative um, experiences? All of it. None negative all that good. I know of. No, not. No, I've. No. I mean, how could anyone, anything but just love and appreciate this. I mean, it's such an amazing, and this is something you're still doing, you're continuing to do? Every time the missionary just died in Australia, he's not yet in the database um, because his funeral hasn't happened. So I searched them up in their family search uh, ID. And of course, family search waits for a while to put them online um, and to make sure that I have enough documentation. So if you looked at each of those missionaries, there's lots of links with each one, newspaper articles or early Mormon mission da- missionary database, or and I've read every. So if if you look at that and go, she's saying she read every one of them. Uh, wow. Yeah, I have. That is awesome. Because I want to know. One missionary that passed away, I caught his obituary and I read it, <clears throat> and it mentioned a song, and, and the song is... Um, Oh, my goodness. My brain just... 
Um, sometime right. we'll know. Sometime we'll understand. Mm. And I don't know if you've heard this song. I, I guess it used song. to be in the hymn book a long time ago. Sometime we'll understand. I don't know that song. And um, the words are like unbelievable. Yeah. And and so this year we have a Angels Among Us event um, in October where all the families are going to meet together, and we've got a relative, <clears throat> excuse me, of one of the missionaries that's going to sing that for wow. us this year. Tell us about that event. It happened last year for the first time. It involves J.R. Johansson, the artist that paints the missionaries. Yeah, tell us a little bit about J.R. Johansson, because I had never heard of him. You actually told me about him. Yes. He is... Uh, I, there's another missionary that passed away in Taiwan about a year and a half after Connor. Our, we were desperate to talk to this family um, so we could guide them through the um, negatives of what happens, which scammers come out of the woodwork... Oh my! Connor's second tax return has been um, stolen. His identity was stolen. We haven't even got that back yet. But oh. and that's not a big deal. It's just the fact that people come out of the woodwork in a negative way. You just wanted to warn them of this. Yes. So yeah. we wanted to help them, and and she happens to be a personal friend of J.R. Johansson. So she had him paint her boy. Wow. He was the third missionary painted. <clears throat> And then JR said, well, do you know any other missionaries? And, of course, she came up with me because I was the one that called her to help guide her through the Taiwan thing. Yeah. So Connor was the for fourth missionary painted. How awesome. And he's now up to, like, 53. Yeah, and he kind of does this as his personal Free. mission. Free to the family. Free. He Wow. Free. And we will provide links to, yeah. to his work and information about him because I know he's been featured on the news a lot and yes. there's been a lot about him. Yeah. So this will be a gathering of just for families who have lost... Families and companions. We kind of want the companions to come. That makes sense. I can't imagine the trauma. I mean, this was a very different thing. I've heard of car accidents mm -hmm. where both companions have been lost. Uh, but yeah. I can only imagine, you know, again, there was a missionary who was lost. I never met him. It happened a month before I got there. But uh, his companion survived. And I just, uh, you know, that's a... It's a lot to carry. Yeah. I can't imagine being that age. And, th and that's where, you know, back to another question you'd asked way earlier was, you know, we were worried about the missionaries, Connor's right. friends. We were worried about the missionaries in Taiwan. Yeah. Our worry was about the moms of these missionaries. You know, they just now watched because, in fact, the bishop's wife was the mom of Connor's best friend. And when mm. she got this phone call, yeah. he did in the middle of the night, she, is it Derek? Is it Derek? And Bishop's telling her, knock it off. I got to hear what they're saying. Yeah. And um, well, and, and I can't other, imagine. Other missionary moms must be immediately going, okay, are you checking the carbon monoxide? And, exactly. You know, it's the same mission. That could have been my son. One different transfer. Yeah. You know. And um, one of the missionaries did deal with some, um, what's that called? Survivor guilt, I think. Yeah. Because... Connor had been with him for 12 weeks. Mm. And then with his new companion, the one he passed away with for only three. Wow. So when we went to his homecoming, we were warned, maybe you shouldn't go. That could be a little tough for you guys. Mm. How could we not go? I mean, his MTC companion was still in Taiwan. Yeah. We didn't have any answers to how was Connor as a missionary. We wanted, right. we wanted a connection to Connor. Yeah. And so we went to this um, homecoming, and um, 
we didn't want to get in his face because we were concerned about them. And his mom said, oh, he's just not ready to talk. And we're like, well, that's fine. We just want him to know we're here and when he's ready. And so we've had lots of interaction with him. Sweet, awesome. sweet young man. He, um, he said something to Greg once, and Greg said, well, you prepared him to go to the other side. Do you not understand that? You prepared him. Wow. So. What a blessing to hear. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, for Greg to have that perspective. I'm sure that that's what that young man needed to hear. Cindy, I'm so impressed. And and as we've talked, what has impressed me again and again is that you were the right person to be able to deal with this type of loss and that you are just doing such great things with it. And um, it's just, it's it's really inspiring. Thank you. And what a blessing. And I... um, I just keep thinking of your work here and Connor's work on the other side in tandem. You know, and you're right, exactly. As we're getting, as I'm doing the research to help, so my job is now JR secretary. My job, I I volunteered. I got in his face and I said, look, I know how to find dead people, but I'm even better at finding living people. I said, if you want me to find families, I can do that. Wow. And so I offered his, my help to him. And it is amazing <clears throat> the connections or the the vine that goes from one thing to another. And I honestly believe that some of these missionaries who've passed away even generations and decades ago um, must be saying something to Connor or the other missionaries oh, who've yes. been painted. And like, me too, me too. I want, I want my painting. And there was one vivid remembrance i had just finally found this elder's um obituary and put it up on family search and um yes i do that even if they're not related to me how uh, great and uh and that wasn't a week later his aunt called jr and says i need you to paint him and so when jr called me and said i had this lady come forward and i said yeah he stepped forward i call it stepping forward yeah they don't like tap me on the shoulder or anything like that they just kind of their information comes to me, yeah. and I document it and do with it what I need, and and then they I just call it stepping forward, which is completely in line with the gospel. It's in line with everything we're taught <clears throat> about the veil and the other side and the work. And Cindy, it's just it's awesome, and I love that we've had this opportunity to sit down. I think that you honor your son every day. I hope in so. this work, I do. I just think. Uh, you know, in that you don't get to raise him still, but you do. Yeah. You get to keep doing that work as a mother for all these other parents, and uh, it's a tremendous work. Thank and you. And I just think it's awesome. Thank you. I'm still going to ask you the same question we ask all of our guests. Here we go. <laughs> just because I, I really want to know, um, what does being a member of the church mean to you? I've heard you ask this question. I go, oh, what what, what could I say? And it kind of comes down to fatherhood. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because my dad wasn't part of my life. Um, and yeah. so for years, um, praying to Father in Heaven, praying to a man, 
was extremely hard for me to understand that concept, that there could be a man that gave, gave any care. Mm. And um, to know that I have a Father in Heaven that does care it is totally a 180 from where I started. Yeah. And who hears me when I um, uh, struggle and occasionally get angry. I remember there was one time when my husband was dealing some with, with some health issues, and I had researched. I had become mm-hmm. basically a doctor to figure out what we were going to do with him. Yeah. And I remember the Spirit told me, go and read some Ensign articles. And so I did. I read three full Ensign articles <laughs> and um, got no answer. And it was about the only time in my life I've ever really gotten mad at Father in Heaven. And I threw the magazines on the floor. Ooh, here we go. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> and said, thanks a lot for nothing. Wow. Yeah. Because I felt disappointed by another father again. And it wasn't until I calmed down and later that night was out throwing newspapers in the middle of the night and where it's calm. There's a difference between being angry and calm and the answers that come. Sure. And the answer came. And we were led to some things that now he's much better place. Mm. But fatherhood is a big deal in this church. I mean, our Father in Heaven does know and does care. Awesome answer. Beautiful story. Cindy, the work you're doing is phenomenal, and it carries on. And I encourage all of our listeners to go check out Mom on a Mission 2017. Thank you. If you type in Mom on a Mission 2017, uh, you will find it will have links on our social media, on Facebook especially, as well as links to JR and the work that you're doing with JR and where we can see some of these beautiful portraits. And uh, thank you. Thank you for thank all you do and for what you've shared with us today well, thank and you for, for sharing. sharing your latter-day life with us. Thank you for having me. My sincere thanks to my guest, Cindy Threadgold. Just listening back to it, I felt all the emotions I felt while I was talking to her. Could I be that strong and that forthright like she is uh, to just take that kind of a challenge and turn it into something so beautiful where she's serving others and just love the fact that she came on the show. Cindy, thank you and thank you for all the work that you're doing. Again, we will have links on our Facebook page to uh, Cindy's website as well as the virtual cemetery and the artwork. So take a look for all of that. Okay, on a very different note, this week in my Latter-day life, um, I I think I've mentioned a few times before I'm in sales, and I've hired a, a couple of new guys lately. And one of them, I was traveling with him, and he is just a super guy. We were down in the Bible Belt area in these huge, beautiful homes. Um, this neighborhood was just gorgeous that we were driving through on our way. Uh, we were going out to dinner. And I don't know this sales guy very well. I've, I've met him a few times before hiring, uh, hiring him, but this was our first time traveling together. And as we were driving by these estates, I mean, just picture gone with the wind style estates, massive lawns, just awesome. Uh, we got to talking about what would it be like to live in one of these homes? Uh, 
how incredible would it be? And the, the guy who I had hired, the guy I was traveling with, um, he is Mexican, his family. In fact, he's the first generation born in the U.S. And I said, wouldn't it just be incredible to live here? And he said, well, it'd be great. And then he made the joke, except that uh, when, when I show up, they'd all, they'd all get you know, really scared because the Mexican family has moved in. And he started laughing, you know, just being funny. And uh, he said, I don't know how they'd, how they'd feel about having the Mexican family living in the neighborhood. And I couldn't let the opportunity pass. And I said, I'll tell you what, if it makes you feel better, if uh, you and I walked up to the door together and knocked at the door and said, hey, you're going to get new neighbors, you get your choice. Now, remember, this was in a very born-again Christian Bible Belt area. If we said, uh, you've got your choice between a Mexican family or a Mormon family, who would you choose? I said, my friend, you would get chosen every single time. 100% of the time, they would choose you over the Mormon family. So I think you're doing okay. And he was laughing. And we just had a really good laugh at it. And then we went to dinner. And we didn't really talk about anything else to do with religion whatsoever. And about halfway through dinner, he suddenly said, by the way, do you mind if I ask you some questions about you being Mormon? What, what is the difference? I've never known. What do Mormons teach? What do Mormons believe? How are you different from Protestant religions and from Catholicism? And we started talking about his own family's faith and about my family and what we believe and what the differences are. And there's another LDS guy who is in our office. I talked about him and his family. And we spent a good 20, 25 minutes talking about the church and what a wonderful spirit there was and him sharing his views on faith. And I believe that that opportunity was opened up because of the really dumb joke I made while we were traveling together. I think the Lord looks to us to use our talents. And for some people, it's singing. That's certainly not me. For others, it's speaking. And for others, it's service. Whatever your talent is, use it to share the gospel, even if it's comedy, even if it seems silly in the moment. It can open up doors. The more we open our mouths and open up our talents and open up our hearts, it will open up doors to talk about the gospel. And I'm just grateful for it because it's all true. And gosh, I just love this gospel. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day life. I want to thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate all the support. If you get a moment and feel like leaving us a review, we just love getting reviews. We appreciate them. They help us to show up when people are searching for good content. And if you know someone who might enjoy the show, if you could share it on Facebook or on Instagram or with your friends, we just keep growing and, and we sure love getting this out. So until next week when I've got a really great guest, just a very funny guy on next week. Again, thank you for tuning in this week. And remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. 